Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. Revisiting today with John Paranti, Chief Information Risk Manager with CompuCom and a member of Osaka's Education Board. John, it's been about six months since we've spoken. It's good to talk with you again. Good to talk with you too, Tom. Here we are, year end, going into 2009. It's, it's been an eventful year for one. What would you say have been the three greatest risk management and compliance issues that you've seen this year? You know, Tom, I think it's a great question. I think that the, the most interesting challenges we face this year is understanding what should we do first. What should we go after first? Uh, a lot of people are actually spending time working on uh, compliance activities more than they are working on risk management and security activities due to the release of the new PCI standards and some of the enforcement of PCI, as well as the, the data breach laws that keep growing in the United States and the understanding that there now is global laws that need to be dealt with as well, like the EU Data Privacy and Data Security Acts. So people are really starting to line up around the idea of trying to do what they think they have to do to make the external audiences like the examiners and the regulatory agencies happy, um, and not so much focused on their internal risk-based approach to understand what they really should be doing to protect themselves appropriately. Now, John, before we get on the phone, you mentioned to me the topic of security by compliance. Could you explain what you mean by that? Absolutely. This is actually one of my biggest concerns right now in the industry on a global scale. Uh, we're spending a lot of our time in organizations focused on trying to meet the needs of regulatory or industry standard requirements. Um, so we have regulations, or in this case industry standards, such as the payment card industry standard, which has very explicit and very definitive technological requirements that organizations are expected to meet if they are handling card data, credit card data, data that is. Um, so a lot of organizations are spending their time, resources, and effort focused on meeting that checklist, or they're developing checklists from the BITS group for their FISAP conversations, for vendor compliance. They're trying to make sure they're meeting all the needs of the, the FISAP requirements. And they're not necessarily taking a risk-based approach that says, what's really important in my world? They're not doing threat and vulnerability analysis. They're not doing appropriate risk management and risk assessment. They're saying, if I do the checklist, then I must be okay. And that's really not a good idea because the checklist really only gets you partway there. It does establish a nice baseline. It does force us to do certain things better than we were doing before in some cases. But it also gives the adversary community a roadmap of what are you doing and where are you spending your time and where are you spending your resources. Uh, and they know that, and they're not going to hit you there. So what would you say are the, the, the top business risks of this security by compliance? I think security by compliance also equals complacency. I think that what you're finding is a lot of people are saying, if I'm certified for PCI or if I'm meeting the needs of even Sarbanes-Oxley or, or GLBA or EU Data Privacy or even ISO 27000 series, that must mean I'm secure. That must mean I'm okay. So now people are getting a false sense that everything is okay. In the court of public opinion, in the, in the real courts, if you have a breach, if you have a situation, even if you are compliant to these standards, that does not mean that you're not going to be held liable or accountable. And that's what a lot of people don't understand at this point. They feel as though if they just do what's in the checklist, then they're going to be okay. And unfortunately, the checklist does not cover the real reality of threats that exist today in the, in the adversary community. Well, you make a good point because we had the Hannaford breach earlier this year where Hannaford comes out and says, well, we were PCI compliant, but there's not a single Hannaford customer that was violated that much cares. <laughs> right. PCI is going to be great when it comes to going into the courts when you're doing the class action suits where you're going to have the, the people uh, fight and say, well, we were compliant to the standard, but then that's going to call them the question whether or not the standard makes sense. The PCI standard has been a great thing for us in a lot of ways in that it's brought a lot of baseline capabilities to organizations that traditionally did not take a, a real focused approach to information security. 
but the technological guidance that's requiring really is, is strangleholding a lot of people into doing things that they really can't afford to or maybe should not do and not spending time where they should. So now we're going to have this question with Hannaford, and they're going to say in the, in the records that they were PCI compliant, and they were certified as PCI compliant, and the question will have to be to the PCI council, if they were compliant, then why did they have this exposure? And it was not that it was such a tremendously interesting technological exposure. It was a exposure that, if done through a risk and threat assessment, probably would have been understood and evaluated and may have been prevented if they weren't so focused on taking the checklist approach. Now, John, I can understand the checklist approach from a, a financial institution's perspective because what they tend to do is react to what their regulators tell them to do. They're told to do A, they do A. Um, and especially we're coming into a time now where financial resources are certainly hard to come by. It's hard to go beyond A. What's the viable alternative to security by compliance? The real viable alternative is to be proactive. The idea is to take a risk-based risk-based approach, not a checklist-based approach. Understand for your world what are your best practices. See, I can't tell you, nor can anybody else in the industry tell you what a best practice is for your organization. I can tell you what a leading practice is. I can tell you what things are we're seeing that are consistent amongst many people or many organizations. But only you inside your organization can decide what you need to focus on, what you need to do, and what works for your organization, what is going to actually provide a, set, a level of security. And the way that we approach this is we go through and we do these threat and vulnerability analysis concepts of business processes, not just technology. A lot of people focus on technology. They focus on their patching and their antivirus, but they don't focus on their data. They don't understand where their data is. In fact, if you ask many organizations, they don't can't tell you on a regular basis where all their sensitive information is at any given time. And a clear example of this is to go to any executive who has a BlackBerry and ask them to see the email on that BlackBerry, and you'll often find a lot of sensitive information on that BlackBerry, which may or may not make sense to be there based on the environments they're traveling in or the areas they're going in. That makes sense. Now, I'm thinking of in terms of a regulated industry like banking, credit unions, that sounds like something that the institution really has to work with the regulatory body and the examiner to establish this risk profile and what they're going to focus on. Well, I'd say that the examiner handbooks that are coming out through the FFIEC guidelines and such, they, they actually give us a lot of good guidance, and they do ask you to understand how are you taking the risk-based approach. And I think Graham Leach Bliley in the United States really gave us a great perspective in the 302 sections of the expectations of the regulators that says you need to have an information security program. You need to understand the threats to your information, your customer information, and you need to have vendor compliance and an asset inventory, and that's a logical inventory of your data, of your customer information. That's where I think we started seeing some great guidance that said, we're not going to tell you the exact technology. We're not going to tell you the exact ideas. We're going to ask you to tell us what are you doing in your world to meet those needs and to demonstrate to us that you have an effective, repeatable, proactive, and consistent way of assessing your threats and vulnerabilities and inputting that information into a risk assessment. But it's got to fit your institution's risk profile is what you're saying. It's got to be your institution's risk profile. Everybody's got to understand what is the value they provide and what is the impact they have upon other organizations. We're so global now. We're so interlaced with each other as, as organizations that we have to appreciate the fact that if one of our environments gets compromised, it actually can impact many other people at the same time. Um, so we have to take into account a lot of new variables that we didn't have to in the 80s and 90s when we were working from the four walls, a land, and a mainframe conversation that said the data will never leave. The data will never be beyond these walls, and we will only be with trusted partners. It's never a problem. 
Now we've opened up our environment so much that we have to appreciate not only our impact upon ourselves, but our impact across the board, and also appreciate what are the acceptable risk levels. And the risk level is not something that a typical security professional is going to be able to tell you. That's truly a risk conversation because you need to put in market risk, strategy risk, credit risk, finance risk. There's a lot of other factors beyond technological risk that have to be put in place to truly create your risk profile. Now, John, you certainly spend a lot of time on the road and with different cultures and different uh, industries. Do you see leaders in this area, whether it be a particular region or a particular industry that's doing a good job of, of, of doing security by their own risk profile? Yeah, I'm happy to say that I think the financial services industry really has been ahead of this game for a long time, mostly because they've been regulated around this area longer than almost anybody else. Maybe healthcare being the second uh, from a pharmaceutical and healthcare perspective has dealt with this. But finance has always had a lead in appreciating information security requirements and risk-based concepts, and they're so good at calculating risk that they appreciate it more than do a lot of other industries. And I think that a lot of other industries look to be banks and the financial service institutions to get guidance on how should they approach these things. Uh, unfortunately, with the economic downturns we're seeing now and some of the experiences we're, we're starting to see where organizations are having to cut staff or reduce uh, funding to activities, we're even seeing some of them pull back a little bit more to that security by compliance or security by checklist approach, which really is going to be a detriment to them in the long term, though. Well, that's interesting because it leads me to my next point. Going into 2009, I think we've got a Democratic president coming in, a Democratic Congress, and there's a realization that Democrat generally needs more regulation, and particularly now. What do you see as some of the major risk management compliance issues that financial institutions are going to be dealing with next year? Well, I think it's a great point. I think as we're moving into a democratic uh, leadership in the United States, traditionally we've seen more regulation. Whether or not we're having a good or bad economic season uh, or situation, we've always seen more uh, regulation from democratic leadership. So I think that organizations are starting to gear themselves up to focus on the fact that they are going to see more regulatory requirements, especially now that information is becoming so valuable and the value is being so understood. Um, I think that we'll start seeing the data breach laws, some of the loopholes with the use of encryption and things like that are going to start being uh, tied down and start being taken away. And I think that we're going to see more and more strict uh, examination on a more regular basis that says, do we have uh, appropriate asset tracking? Do we know where the data is? Do we have access control and segregation? And do we have accountability and traceability for activities of people who are touching sensitive information within these environments? John, from the ISACA perspective, what do you see as being some of the most in-demand skills for financial institutions and security in 2009? Yeah, ISACA has actually done a lot of great research recently, and, and some of the things that we're finding uh, is that we're bolstering our education re requirements and our education programs around compliance-oriented activities mostly because that we, we realize that compliance is extremely important to organizations who want to look at compliance as a concept, not as an individual regulation or standard. So they want to be able to get to a point where they can establish business-as-usual processes where they can be compliant all the time versus having to set up special projects um, to do this on an individual basis. So we're seeing the CISA and the CISM designations getting a lot of traction in this area, and that's the first Certified Information Secure, uh, Systems Auditor and Certified Information Security Manager certifications are gaining a lot of popularity recently because these are the types of certifications and skills that are associated with certifications that the organizations are, are looking for to assist them in meeting their new regulatory requirements as well as their existing regulatory requirements. 
Now, as you look around the industry, certainly you see a lot of turmoil these days, lots of banking institutions laying people off. What advice do you offer for someone that's looking to start or to switch a career in information security in 2009? Where should they go? Ah, great question. Well, it, the best place to start is use the Internet. Google is your greatest friend. Google is the greatest hacking tool available and it's the greatest knowledge management tool available. Uh, what I often tell people is, the, is in this era of regulation, in this area, era of compliance, starting to understand what those regulations are and what people are doing to meet them is really the right approach. And there's a lot of great white papers and a lot of smart people out there who have written some really good documentation that talk about case studies of how organizations are meeting this challenge already. Uh, we've coined this term governance risk compliance as kind of a new buzzword from the analyst groups. Uh, if you think about it, this work is what we've been doing for 20 years already in IT. We're just maturing it. And I think that if you start searching those types of sites and you start going to, to your site, bankinfosecurity.com is a place I send many people to on a regular basis to learn more, to understand what are those regulations, what are the expectations that are supposed to be met to meet those regulations, and then you can start mapping your skills and learning to understand how to help organizations achieve those goals better. The opportunity is certainly going to be there in 2009. Security and, um, and compliance aren't going away. <laughs> Absolutely. It's definitely increasing. We definitely see more people on, uh, in the recruiting world have come to us and said um, that they are seeing more demand for people with those skills. Uh, the ISACA team has definitely seen more interest in its education programs and seen more interest in its certifications because these tend to be the certifications and the uh, knowledge bases that are drawn to that type of knowledge. What's going to make a candidate stand out in these areas, John? Uh, a candidate to stand out in these areas really has to be able to talk about business. You need to be able to translate business and technology uh, and technology concepts into business terms and to really appreciate consistent methods and practices and how to assess threat and vulnerability and risk and how they map to different compliance considerations. Understanding just one regulation or just one technology is not going to get there. It's understanding the landscape of trend, understand where things are going and what direction is moving forward will definitely make can stand out. That's well said. John, I appreciate your time and your insights. Good catching up with you again. Thank you very much. Have a great day. been talking with John Peranti, Chief Information Risk Manager with CompuCom and a member of ISACA's Education Board. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.